And last week we introduced a new series called Bad Blood, and I, I made reference to my, my fandom of Taylor Swift, and, and especially of her country music, and, and I'll tell you, I've gotten some pushback this week, maybe more pushback about that than any message I've preached in the last five years, and I didn't realize there was this Kanye West level of disdain for Taylor Swift in our church, but... But I really, there's been some pushback this week from, from some of you all about this. And I almost called this series, uh, since we're around Halloween and it was going to run through Halloween, I almost called this series Slaying Vampires, How to Deal with People That Suck the Life Out of You. But I went with Bad Blood instead, and, and it was a little nicer uh, idea. So, uh, so I went with that instead. But we're, we're talking about Bad Blood, and for the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to talk about this. And, and the big idea of this series is just this is that you can have peace about the relationship, even if there's never peace in the relationship. If you have a, a relationship that's characterized by bad blood, maybe it's, a, it's an in-law, it's a co-worker, it's, it's whoever, and, and that relationship is just characterized by bad blood, the whole idea of this series is that you can have peace about the relationship, even if there's never peace in the relationship. And, and last week we said that the one step that everybody could take toward peace is the step of empathy. We, we talked about taking that long walk around to the other side and, and seeing things from their perspective and, and, and looking at, at, at what they perceive to be the truth and, and not even saying that your feelings aren't valid or anything like that, but you just suspend your judgment for, for a few moments to see their perspective and, and so to see what they believe is truth. And so we talked about empathy being the one step that we could all take toward having peace in the relationship. And we're going to pick right back up there today because the path to peace is paved with empathy. I really believe that, that the pathway to peace is paved with empathy. But the vehicle that gets us there is that dreaded F word. Not that F word, forgiveness. Now, some of you all thought he's not going to say that, right? Forgiveness. Forgiveness is the vehicle that moves us down that path. And so today I want to talk to you about you and the person that you need to forgive and when I say that immediately there are some of you who have a person in mind like there's somebody that you know you have a relationship with that is characterized by bad blood and, and it would do you a world of good to forgive them but you don't want to forgive them and I get it look we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute but I and I understand that but but I immediately you, you think of this person, you think, you know what, I don't, I don't even know if I want to sit in here for this because it, it just, it creates within me some, some bad feelings and some bad thoughts and, and I don't know that I want to sit and listen to Adam talk for 20 minutes about forgiving somebody that I really have no interest in forgiving. And so, I, you know, I'll just get up and look like I'm going to the bathroom and then I'll just, I, I just won't come back in. And you see what I did there? I, I forced you all to stay now because now if you get up and go out to the bathroom, somebody's going to think, man, they really hate somebody. But I just want to let you know some things about forgiveness. We're going to talk about forgiveness, and, and I want to let you know what forgiveness is. It's a process. Look, there, there are people that it has taken them years and years for them to be able to forgive someone for something that has been done in their life. Maybe it's taken months. I know in my own life, there, there have been situations where it didn't, you know, just in a moment, and everything was good, right? No, it was, it was, it was a... A process. It took many, many moments over, over many, many days. Forgiveness is a process. And hey, maybe the best thing that could happen today is that you just decide, you know what, I think I hate that person a little less. 
Maybe that's the best thing. Maybe that's a win. That'll be a win for you is that you just decide, you know what? I don't hate that person as much right now as I did when I came in this morning. That might be a win. We'll take a victory wherever we can get it, right? Because it's a process. Forgiveness is a process. And look, I'm not naive enough to think that that just because of today, because of this message, that it would just be some magic bullet and, and you would just say, okay, I'm going to forgive them. I, look, I get it. I know it's not that easy. I wish it was, but it's not. And while we're talking about what forgiveness is, let's just get it out of the way what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not condoning what somebody did to you. I'm not asking you uh, to condone, and I'm not going to ask you c- to condone what someone did to you. I'm not even going to ask you to forget, to forget what they did to you. Because sometimes the power of forgiveness is that you have to remember the pain of what was caused to you. So sometimes you, you don't forget. You have to remember it. And look, in the, in the best of relationships, maybe you can choose to forgive. We would hope so, right? But that doesn't mean that you're going to condone or forget. You know, we always say forgive and forget, right? That's, that's a bunch of garbage. We don't forgive and forget. We we forgive and then we or we say we forgive and then we just hold on to it right and we remember and we bring it up every chance we get right husbands how many show you don't don't show hands because you might be sitting next to your wife how many times does your wife say you know I forgave you for something and then like two days later she brings it up again right that you didn't take the garbage out or you didn't unload the dishwasher right we don't forgive and forget we we say we forgive and then we just remind right But look, I'm not going to ask you to condone or forget what somebody has done to you because forgiveness is not about that. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. And and let's also get another thing straight about forgiveness. Forgiveness is, it doesn't mean that you can't forgive until you get an apology. Because think about this, that moment that you've been thinking of, that you've been imagining with for, for maybe years, and, and we've all had these imaginary conversations in our own head where, you know, the person that we've got a, a beef with, they're going to come to us and they're going to come crawling on their hands and knees and, and beg for forgiveness and say, oh, you know, in your great mercy, would you please forgive me? And you've already mapped out in your head what you're going to say back to them and how you're just going to shut them down. And you're, you've been praying for that moment, right? That's what that moment may never come. That moment where they decide that they're gonna that they have seen the error in their ways and they're gonna come in and ask you for, for grace and mercy and, and forgiveness, that moment may never come. So, so forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to wait for an apology before you can forgive. But still, I want I want you, and I think God wants you to pursue freedom and peace because it's possible. It's possible to find peace about the relationship, even if you never find peace in the relationship. Here's a couple of quotes that I've heard from people about forgiveness. I've heard people say that when you don't forgive, it's like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. Like you drink the rat poison and you're just waiting for that rat to die. That's, that's what unforgiveness is like. Unforgiveness is, is not allowing, it, it's refusing to allow that person to have rent-free space in your head. You have a person like that probably in your life, don't you? That they just, they, they're just... They just lurk around in your, in your mind like a ghost. They're, they're just lurking there around every decision and around every corner. They're just renting space in your mind for, for free. And they're robbing you uh, of energy and of joy. That's what unforgiveness does. Forgiveness, on the other hand, I've heard it said, is setting the prisoner free and finding out that the prisoner is you. Wow. 
Forgiveness is saying, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to release this person. I'm going to set this person free. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit holding on to everything that they've, that they've done to me. I'm going to let all of that go. And then realizing that after you've given them forgiveness, that they weren't the ones that needed to be let go. That they weren't the ones that needed to be set free. It was you. You were the one being held captive by all of that, that energy and that emotion and, and all of those bad thoughts of, of, of revenge and what you wanted to do back to them and all of those kind of things. It was you who all along were bound and chained by those things. And you needed to be set free. Forgiveness is setting the prisoner free and finding out that the prisoner is you. And so I know that today's not going to be a magic bullet. But I do hope that today maybe allows some of us to begin the process of forgiving. Last week we looked at one verse from the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. Uh, and, and Paul, just remember, he was up to his eyeballs in bad blood. He knew what it was like to have bad blood. You know, for, for years he was a persecutor of the church and, and everybody in the church hated him. And, and, and so he had bad blood there. And then all of a sudden he, he saw the light literally and he became a Christian. And, and now he's, uh, he's a friend of the church. He's a pioneer in the church. And, and the church, they're not really re ready to trust him because remember, he's... he's overseeing the execution of of christians and so they don't like him and now the jews who he's they feel like they've he's abandoned them and so they don't like him and there's just bad blood everywhere in his life paul who's up to his eyeballs in bad blood he said this he said if it is possible if it is possible meaning that it, it might not ever happen also meaning that it very well could happen if it is possible as far as it depends on who on you. Live at peace with everyone. Because life is just better that way, isn't it? You're more useful. You're more effective. Uh, it, life, life is just better. There's more joy and contentment and peace and, and satisfaction available. If you'll just do as everything as far as it depends on you. Meaning that you know, I've done everything I know to do. And if there was something else that I could do, I, I would wake up and I would do it tomorrow. Because that's what drives empathy what we talked about last week that, that's what drives empathy as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone in the few minutes that we've got left we're going to look at the next three verses that, that Paul talks about because I think they're just loaded with interest and power for our own lives here's what Paul jumps into next he says this he says do not take revenge my dear friends do not take revenge my dear friends, it's like, oh, Paul, you just cut my legs out right from under me, right? Like, they've done this. You, you, Paul, you have no idea what they've done to me. You have no idea how they've wronged me. Paul, you've got to let me get them back, right? And Paul says, no, 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 no. Do not take revenge, my friends. Now, revenge in, in your life, in my life, with that person that you currently have, uh, that you currently don't have peace with. Revenge probably doesn't look like, you know, just sitting in, in the back room of your house going, Mwahaha, and, you know, I, thinking of all the ways that you're going to be able to ruin their life and, you know, you're petting, petting your cat and all that kind of stuff. It, it probably doesn't look like that, right? Revenge probably doesn't look like, for, for you in your life, uh, doesn't look like mo how it sounds in most country music songs, you know, like I, I dug my heel into the side of that pretty, pretty little four-wheel drive, carved my name into his leather seats, I'm a big Carrie Underwood fan too. But some of you have, have daydreams about doing that, don't you? But, but you're not actually, at least hopefully, you're not actually going to do that, right? But, but you've thought about it. I've thought about it. We've all thought about what we would do to that person who has, who has done something horrible to us and how we would love to just be able to get them back. 
But revenge for most of us, though, I don't think is, is just a, an external retaliation. But rather, it's the internal celebration of their misfortune. Right? That, that's probably where revenge lies for most of us. Revenge isn't just this external, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to ruin your life. Here's what I'm going to do to get you back. I mean, sometimes it does look like that. But, but most of the time, it looks just like this. This internal celebration of anything that goes wrong in that person's life. It's like, oh, he lost his job. You know, he was late to work too much. Well, huh, stinks for him, right? It was like, oh, she had flat tire, as, uh, and so she couldn't go on that date with her new boyfriend. Mm. You know, maybe she'd have made it if I hadn't slashed her tires, you know, that kind of thing. It's that internal celebration of somebody else's misfortune. And as long as we're doing that, right, as long as we're internally celebrating somebody else's misfortune, we are not free. You are not free if you're celebrating somebody else's misfortune. They, they are still robbing you of joy and contentment and satisfaction in your life. And God, your Heavenly Father, no matter what you might think about Him, He wants you to be free. He wants you to find peace. And so Paul says you're not going to find it by taking revenge. Whether it's some kind of intentional act or it's just the secret, passive, silent celebration that, uh, of something when anything goes wrong in that person's life. As long as you're celebrating their, their misfortune, you are not free. And you don't have peace. And so Paul says, do not take re revenge, my dear friends. But, but leave room for God's wrath. Now that perks some of you up. Some of you are, alright, yeah, now we're talking. God's wrath. Let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about about what God's going to do to them. Let's talk about how God is going to get them back, how, how God's wrath is going to affect their life. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. You know, wrath is it's kind of a disturbing thing, isn't it? Wrath is kind of hard to understand. God's wrath is, is hard to understand. Sometimes it's unclear if people dread it, they fear it, and there's just loads of misunderstanding about it. I don't know what you think about when you think about God's wrath, but but what I think about, especially as I was growing up, um, I think about when I was in first grade and I, I got in trouble at school. And it wasn't my fault, okay? It, it wasn't my fault. My teacher, my first grade teacher, she was mean. It was, of course, it was her fault. She's the same teacher, first grade teacher that my older sister had had. And my older sister got in trouble in her class and, and she probably did deserve it. But she's not going to watch this so I can say that, okay? Uh, but but uh, she she... And my, my first grade teacher and my older sister, they didn't get along so well. And so consequently, my mom and my first grade teacher didn't get along so well. And so as I'm getting ready for first grade, my mom's prepping me. And she's like, you know, you got to be really nice to Miss Walker. She didn't like, like your sister. And she's going to find out that you're her brother. And so she's not going to like you. And so you just got to, you got to basically do some brown nosing, right? And so the very first day of first grade, I was trying to give Miss Walker a compliment, and I told her on the first day of school, I said, Miss Walker, you're not nearly as mean as my mom said you were. I really did tell her that. And so later on in the year, later on in the year, Miss, Miss Walker, I'd done something and gotten in trouble in Miss Walker's class, and, and the punishment was going to be to get paddled. Uh, paddling was, was on its way out, but it was still around maybe for another year or so, and and so I was in the principal's office, and at our school, they had to call the, princ uh, the, the principal had to call your parents before you got paddled. And so Mr. Harris, Ralph Harris, he, I'm sitting in his office, and he puts the phone on speaker, and he calls my mom. And there's no answer. And that was probably a really good thing for me. And so then he calls my dad, and there's no answer. 
Probably another really good thing for me. And so then he calls my grandfather, who, who lived across the street from me. And remember, I, li- I grew up in a town smaller than Glendale, okay? It was, it was smaller than Glendale. Everybody knows everybody. M- Mr. Harris, my principal, he knew my mom and my dad and my grandparents and all of those people. And so Mr. Harris calls my grandfather, and he finally gets a hold of him. And he told him what I had done and what the punishment was going to be, that I was going to get paddled and my grandfather. His response, and remember, this is also in a day and age where, where you know, if you got in trouble at school, the teacher wasn't wrong. You, you were wrong. You, you, were, you were guilty until proven innocent, and there was no chance of parole, right? Like, that's just how it was. And so my grandfather, he, he hears what I've done and that I'm going to get paddled, and he tells Mr. Harris, says, good. And tell him he's got another one coming when he gets home. That's what I think about when I think about God's wrath, that feeling of dread of going home that, that I had the rest of that day, that, that fear of, of what's going to happen when I get home, you know, what, what, what's going to happen? I, I think of that, that nagging, oh, no, no, what, what's God going to do to me? That's kind of what I think about when I think about God's wrath. Some of you are in church today because you think somehow this will appease God's wrath, right? Like, I, I came to church today, so I got my checkbox, and so that's just going to hold God's wrath back for, for me for, for another week, for, for another month, whatever. And so, so God is just pleased with me. And I would just say, I think you have a misunderstanding of what God's wrath is about. God's wrath is not, is not like this angry old man who's just sitting up in heaven waiting to smite somebody, right? That's not, that's not what God is about. God, God's wrath is simply the consequence of sin. Look, sin has consequences, and, and no one gets away with sin. Sin always has a price to be paid. And sin, let's be clear about what sin is. Sin is the mistreatment of, of somebody else or the mistreatment of yourself. If you mistreat somebody, that's sin. If you mistreat yourself, that's sin. And sin always has a price to be paid. And God is not just this Buddha-esque figure sitting up in heaven just shrugging his shoulders so on, going, you know, I don't know what we're going to do about all this pain and this hardship. Instead, God is a gracious and kind and and loving Father who says, anyone who mistreats my children will have consequences for their actions. God cares about whatever wrong has happened to you. He cares about that. And he says, though, would you you leave room? Would you leave room? Meaning it's not your job. It's it's my job. It's God's job to avenge, to repay. Would you leave room for, for my wrath? And honestly, until you do, it seems as if God really isn't all that interested in getting involved. If you're willing to take revenge, I don't think God is necessarily interested in making things right and getting involved. Leave room for God's wrath. So what does it look like for you to step back and just leave room for God's wrath? Well, Paul says, he goes on to say, he says, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. He says, hey, this is my job. This is God's job. This is, this is my job. Your job, your job in all of this is just to trust me. Your job is to trust that no one ever gets by with sin, that sin always pays, that it always has a price to be paid. And maybe you hear that and you're thinking, well, you know what? It seems like that person who did me dirty, who has done all of these evil and horrible and bad things to me, it seems like they're getting by with it. It seems like life is pretty good for them. You know, everything's just hunky-dory. Everything's in good shape for them. And it might on the outside appear that way. But I'll tell you this, we don't know what's going on on the inside of those people. You ever heard the phrase, hurt people, hurt people? You ever heard that, anybody? Hurt people, hurt people. Do you know why people do hurtful things? It's because they themselves are hurting. 
Think, think about the worst decision that, that has caused you to do something to somebody else, something bad. Think about the, maybe the worst thing you've ever done to somebody else and, and the motive behind you, you're doing that. Were you in a good place or a bad place when you, did, when you decided to do that? You're probably in a bad place, which is why you decided to do that to somebody else. Hurt people, hurt people. And sin, sin always pays. There, there are consequences to what they are doing and, and the consequences to what other people who have hurt you, what they're doing, it, it's going it's to cause and create misery in their lives. And, and they might even be experiencing that right now. The question though, is are you going to trust? Are you going to trust and say, God, it's, it's yours to pay? It's your job to pay. It's not my job. It's not my job to make them pay. God, it's, it's your job. That, that's part of what God does. He's our defender. He, he, he wants to take up for the wrong that has been done to you. And, and you know, God seems like the kind of God that will just, he'll, he'll sort things out, right? If we'll just leave it to Him. If we'll allow God to do what God does, He'll, he'll sort it out. He, he will repay. But, but He says, I will repay. But you've got to leave room for my wrath. You, you've got to step back and you've got to leave room. Don't take revenge, my dear friends. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. You know, ultimately, unforgiveness, it, it boxes out God. Unforgiveness ultimately keeps God out of the relationship. And, and maybe you've prayed and prayed and prayed and, and you've just been praying for as long as you can and you've said, God, would you please get involved with this? God, would you please make things right with this? Would you please make my relationship with them better? God, just do something. And maybe God's saying, hey, have you forgiven them? Have you forgiven them? Because if you, if you have, then I'll get involved. But if you haven't, I'm going to stay out of it. Because forgiveness allows God into the relationship. If, if unforgiveness shuts God out of the relationship, forgiveness allows God in. Unforgiveness is, is just a belief. It's, it's ultimately, it's a, it's a failure to believe what God says. Unforgiveness is a failure on our part to believe what God says is true. That God isn't going to do what He's able to do. That He isn't going to do what He said He would do. And when you and I, when we wholeheartedly, when we believe that, that God is good, that God is going to do what He says, that He's a keeper of His word, then when we believe that, we don't have to make the other person pay. We don't. We can, we can wash our hands of this, this need for revenge. In fact, wouldn't your perspective change if they knew, if, if you knew that that person who had done you wrong had something coming? Like they were going to get theirs, they were going to get their comeuppance at some point. W would your perspective change any if you, just, if you knew that they had it coming? If you knew that God was ultimately going to repay them and, uh, and allow their consequences to catch up to them? W would it change the way that you approached them? Would it change the way that you thought about him or, or the way that you thought about her? Yeah, I think it would. Of, of course it would. And, and, and you know what I think you would feel? I think you'd feel sorry for them. You might even say, you know, well, well this, is, this is going to be awful. Like, I know what you've got coming. This is going to be awful. I'm, I hate this for you. In fact, I'm even, I'm even sad for you. What, what would change if you believed that God was our defender? That, that He was going to take up for the wrong that had been committed against you? Well, well, Paul tells us. He says, let me tell you what you would do. He says, instead of taking revenge, on the contrary, he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. He's your enemy. She's your enemy. Look, I, I get it. Feed him. And how would you know if, if your enemy was hungry? Well, you would know because you've taken the long walk around to see things from their side, to see things from their perspective. 
If your enemy is hungry, he says, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to do. In other words, you can trust that God is going to do what he's going to do. And, and because you believe that, because you trust that, you can go ahead and give them a blessing. You can be free to, to give them a blessing. You can say to him or her, you know what? You don't deserve this, but I'm going to let you off the hook. Because you've got something even worse coming. And I actually, I actually I feel sorry for you. And then he goes on to say this. He says, not only is this the best thing to do, but, but this is really the thing that works. He says, in doing this, you will heap burning coals upon their head. You know, in ancient tradition, if someone was remorseful or repentant, um, they would put burning coals in, on, on, in like a small little basket, and they would walk through town with that basket on their head in public view. And so everybody would see them, and they would say, you know, oh, this person's remorseful, or, or they, they're repenting of something. And so Paul's saying, when you are kind to someone, when, when you're a blessing to someone who has wronged you, when you forgive someone who's taken something from you, when you bless someone who's cursed you, it's like taking burning coals and just lobbing them up on their head. This lobbing, we think about that as being kind of a painful punishment, right? But, but it's not even so much a, a painful, it's just a sign of, of, of their, their repentance. In other words, and think about this, you're actually leading him or her when you do something kind for someone, when you forgive them, when, when they've wronged you, you, you're actually leading them to the place that you want them to be. That place, uh, that place of repentance, of sorrow, of remorse, that your, your kindness is leading them there. And isn't that exactly what God's done for us? I mean, isn't this exactly what God has done for us? I mean, there, there's a statement in Scripture that says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's His kindness, His, His loving, gentle, kind woos that, 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 that woos people back to repentance. And, he, and he's saying, if it would be true of you, if, if that's what caused you to come to repentance, if my kindness is what brought you back to repentance, if that's true of you, wouldn't it be true of someone else that your kindness could lead them to that? That would lead them back to repentance? Of course it would. And isn't that what someone who's a, a mature Christian would do? Of course. I mean, this is, this is what Jesus did on the cross for us. It's the, the ultimate picture of this. He said, I'm going to absorb your wrong. I, I'm going to forgive you, and, and, and I'm going to bless you anyway. I'm going to go ahead and bless you. I'm going to take all the things that you've ever done that you will ever do wrong, all of your sins, and I will absorb them right now. And I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to bless you. Jesus, hanging on the cross, looked at people, and he said, God, would you forgive them, for they don't have any idea what they're doing. They have no clue what they're doing right now. They don't even know how the, the wrong that they're doing. They don't know how hurtful they, they are being. But God, would you just forgive them anyway? And that's what mature followers of Jesus do. We say, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let it go. I, I, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to quit holding on to what is owed me. What I feel like is owed to me. And I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to release you from this debt that I think that you owe to me. And I'm going to forgive you. In fact, I might even bless you. And, and, and I'm, I'll be kind to you. And the reason we do that is not so that they'll be nice back to us. Okay? That's not. The reason we do that is because we, 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 we are learning that you can have peace about that relationship. Even if there's not peace in the relationship. Forgiveness is the vehicle that gets us to be able to have peace about relationships, even if there's never peace in the relationship. So let me ask you as we close, who do you need to forgive? 
Who's the, who's the person that, that pops up, that, that mental picture of that person? Who shows up in your mind when, when you say, who do I need to forgive? And maybe even more importantly than identifying that person, is answering this question. Am I willing to take steps towards that? Am I willing to actually move down the road of empathy to forgiveness so that I can have peace about the relationship, even if I never have peace in the relationship? Can I have peace about it? Who am I willing to forgive? And am I willing to do it? Let me pray for us.